This is Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill, and I listen to the Fun Belt Podcast. This is the Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Folks, the Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper of Howl Razor, and Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record. I think it's potentially a very good week for the Sun Belt. But I'm just kind of going off on a random rant. It, it's it's just frustrating. It, it's... <laughs> For the first time in 2024, the gang is all back together. Jeremy was MIA. Yeah. Looking for reps in Montgomery. Shane was, I don't know, crying about Signetti leaving and JMU losing a bowl game and then they lost a basketball game. I I was here. I I, I was used to taking the L's. So... (laughs) Here I am once again, but with the full gang in tow. Shane, how's how's it going in the the land of purple and gold after the departure of Signetti and basketball falling from the graces of the unranked? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> you kind of thought it was coming eventually. I I thought there was, you know, maybe a chance that JMU would be the first team since 1976 to go undefeated for the entire season but it turns out that was not going to happen for the dukes i don't think i don't think that's going to be a a huge downer around here but uh we'll see how they respond this week against you know some decent teams coming to harrisonburg yeah yeah but you know what was it that i think it was kind of a surprise to see that it was southern miss i mean if you weren't really paying attention you'd see that southern miss lost to georgia southern (laughs) <laughs> which had been zero wins before this or before, before being somebody, uh, I forget who they beat. And then they go sure. down, <laughs> they go down to James Madison or James Madison comes to them and gets beat. But that was partly because they sort of activated one of their star players. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I think they're getting more and more used to playing with Andre Curbelo, who's, you know, one of the most talented guys in the conference. And is one of those players who suddenly became eligible when the courts decided everybody was eligible. And uh, as for Southern Miss in particular, they went from, hey, we think this guy's got a really good case to get a waiver. So we're kind of building our offense around him to three, four weeks into the season. They haven't heard anything from the NCAA and they're kind of like, okay, well, I guess we got to scrap that and try to play a different style. And then all of a sudden he is eligible and now he's played a few games. And I think we're starting to see what Southern Miss can actually be with, you know, there's not really a lot of teams anywhere that have a backcourt, the caliber of Crowley and Andre Curbelo. Like that's just two really, really good guards to, to build your team around. So you probably, you were probably watching that game. pretty. I watched a little bit at the end, low scoring affair. I was a little surprised to see that. Do you feel like Southern Miss is a kind of a contender? They're two and one now in, in the in the Sun Belt. So are a lot of people. Do you feel like they can make a run? Yeah, I think they're going to be contenders, and um, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're, I mean, there's a lot of good teams in the Sun Belt right now. I mean, solid. I mean, it's it's more balanced, I think, on the women's side. Sure, it seems like almost everybody's good, but like, I mean, I think we're seeing now four or five men's teams, and even some surprises. Okay. Georgia Southern, right before we start recording, I'm like 
hanging on every shot, Georgia Southern versus Marshall. Yeah. Thinking somehow Georgia Southern is going to have a winning record in conference play tonight. It, Marshall ended up pulling that out at home, but like all of a sudden, I mean, we're, were the Eagles sandbagging us <laughs> like through non-conference where they just like, Hey, we're going to make everybody think we're absolutely horrible. And that then we'll, we'll actually be competitive once league play starts. All the major sports are in action this week. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Bet Online is my preferred betting platform for Jeremy Harper of Howraiser. So head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. If I'm not wrong, and I could be wrong about this, you know, they, they, their new coach comes out of Alabama. Uh, uh, Arkansas State's head, new head coach comes out of Alabama. They both sort of took the same scheduling approach, which was to schedule some pretty tough opponents for non-con. Now, if you talk to Georgia Southern, they say, yeah, we really – we really scheduled tough, so we'd be ready for Sunbelt play. Uh, I don't know if that's it. They looked, they did look bad, even when Arkansas State sort of clobbered them. But I didn't think they looked like a 0-12 team. By the way, Marshall, the first 4-0 team in conference after winning against Georgia Southern. 1,000% winning percentage, 9-8 overall. Marshall right now, the team to beat. Troy Trojans, 3-0 the other undefeated team in conference. Yeah, this looks like it's shaping up, guys, to be a pretty competitive season, except for uh, UL Monroe and the Monarchs, who haven't had a win yet. And Texas State. <laughs> wait, 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 I'm looking at this right now. Is Texas State still? Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. The Boobcats, Boobcatting. Arkansas State gets them tomorrow, so I'll, I'll get a better look at them. Dusty, what is going on with your Warhawks? Oh, my God. They're losing me money on betonline.com. Help me out. Uh, I hope you're you're betting the over-under point total and not the oh, line or the money line for I'm the betting Warhawks. The line. <laughs> you, they've been sending a lot of games into the over. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. I mean, the shots just aren't falling too many fouls on the defensive side. So then you're going further and further into the bench. It's, it's just not, it's not good basketball right now. Uh, there's, there's no other way to put it. Something, something's got to give whether somehow the, the voodoo on the bayou that the, the, the shots maybe start going in the basket or, or whatever, but, but something's got to give for this team to, break into the wind column because uh, it's, it's been a while since they've tasted victory. Uh, they they slid in, in non-conference to close out the non-conference slate, and, and it's just continued through conference. Speaking of 0-3, Shane, should we be surprised that Old Dominion is within the ranks of the Beatons, the non-winners? Maybe a little bit. I don't know. I mean, we're still... I think they're still trying to figure some things out with, you know, shake up in their coaching staff. Um, they just they have no size. That doesn't help. Um, yeah, I think, you know, yeah, they really, 
like have nothing in the paint. Um, but a little surprised I haven't pulled out a single win, but it's early. And, you know, Jamie's got to go down there again in a couple weeks. So, you know, they were relatively competitive for a while in that first non-conference game against them. I, I think they're going to pull out some wins. I think they're probably going to surprise some good teams, but it, it's a rough season for ODU. They've got a great recruiting class coming if they can keep that together. So we'll see what happens. Well, there. It's, also, but, it's also been rough for any team that's not playing at home. Dusty, are you surprised that the Bobcats are 0-3? Historically, both ODU and the Bobcats fielding great basketball teams doesn't look like so far this year. Not really, because because this is really TJ's first year of his guys, his players, and we're seeing that this is not the same as being the assistant coach when when you kind of have the final say now as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've missed on some guys, and I, I think that they're just continuing to struggle. Maybe it turns around as, as they kind of get their feet under them a little bit more in conference play, but I don't see them really – Riding the ship and, and rising to the top of the standings. Well, let's let's stick with you, Dusty. Our good friend Scott Cross, leading Tro- Troy Trojans to a three and zero start. Yeah, you know, just like a lot of Sun Belt teams in the off season, uh, or not in the off season, the OOC, the out of conference season. Uh, Troy didn't look especially great, but they're three and zero. What do you think? Troy's doing right, or have you seen enough of Troy to, to understand it? I think the big thing, they use those non-conference games to really find their identity and, and, and find themselves. The win-losses didn't really matter as much as it does getting the hardware from uh, Commissioner Keith Gill. So I think that's always been their focus and the thing that they want to do. As we had talked about in a previous episode, you know, with the NCA ruling that the regular season NIT uh, automatic bid no longer happens. It's all about making it, doing enough to get to Pensacola and be the hot team then. And and so I think that they really took that approach of preparing themselves, finding themselves in the non-conference slate. And now that they're in conference, they kind of get a feel of what they'll have to do to make it to the Monday game in Pensacola. So I'm, I'm looking at the statistics for the Sun Belt. And let me give you a the surprising statistic. It's not surprising because it it, it, it kind of it's across the board for all conferences, but it always shocks me just a little bit how poorly basketball teams, college basketball teams in general, perform away from home. The Dukes are six and one. The Dukes win no matter if they're at home or away. So congratulations to the Dukes. The only other teams with or the only other team with a winning record on the road. Is your marshalling thundering herd at three and two, and then you got two teams at three and three, and that's the Jags and the Eagles. Everybody else suffering away. Old Dominion zero wins away from their home court. A lot of teams with just one win. What do you make of that, guys? Is basketball just one of that those sports where the home court advantage is just overwhelming? It is. I mean, four of the top five teams in the AP poll have lost on the road to unranked teams <laughs> in, the pa- in the past two days. Yeah. Like it, it's, a, it's hard. It's hard to win conference games on the road, and that's what we're getting into right now. 
not just conference games, I think any game. Yeah. I wonder why do the Dukes have success at six and one? I mean, that's a pretty good away record. Yeah, I mean, they've played some bad teams on the road. No, that's one. Yeah. They but I mean they've got some solid road wins. Like Louisiana is a good one. Sure. Kent State's not looking maybe as great as it was, but like Michigan State's a solid one. But I mean they also they were fairly fortunate to win a couple of those early road games. And then they've beaten some teams that aren't that good, and they've got a solid road win or two. I mean, I think it it's not a magic trick necessarily. I think we're just seeing that they're a decent team that's going to win maybe more than their share of road games, but they're gonna they're gonna lose some too. And you know, if they take care of business at home, they should be in pretty good shape when the final standings come around. But you know, yeah, it's tough to win on the road. I want to talk a little bit about that in a minute, but Dusty, I want to get your take on on why it's so hard for college basketball teams to win on the road. It's the same. The, the courts have the same dimension. The the hoops are the same circumference. Yeah, it's all the same. What is the difference between playing at home and playing on the road? I think there's several things. I think, you know, in football, traditionally, when you're traveling, you're going to fly there. So it's a short, quick trip. Uh, with ease the non-revenue sports as they like to say the the baseballs the basketball soccer tennis and everything you're jumping in a van a bus a minibus and driving the five seven hours to these games it takes a toll on you and and also i think every venue in the sunbelt especially is so drastically different for how you shoot. Okay. I, I played one game ever in, in the Cajun Dome, and that was probably the hardest place I've ever had to shoot in my life just wow. because of the openness behind the baskets. It, it was completely different than anything of the traditional high school game of, uh, you know, the cinder block, so to say, just feet behind the goal. So is it about sight lines too? You know, if you're, you're trying to drill threes or, or make jumpers – is there something about having the, like you said, that openness in the Cajun Dope? Is there something about just having a, a consistent, the consistency of home, having that environment being consistent? Does that, does that stick with basketball players? Subconsciously, I think so. Because, I mean, where are you shooting during the whole offseason over the summer while you're working out? You're not traveling to mm-hmm. Southern Miss to, <laughs> to go shoot uh, – in their gym, you're not going to the Cajun Dome. You're not go. You're sitting. You're sitting at home or whatever your home venue is, and that really helps you solidify where your spots are. I think immediately, even of like the Steph Curry, you know how he's dribbling around and finding dead spots in the in the the wood <laughs> that he knows that floor inside and out. The, there's no place like home, pure and simple. Shane, I want to turn back to James Masson for just a moment and. And with the loss at Southern Miss, uh, it knocks James Masson out of the top 25. I think uh, they were, if, if you want to look at like the 26th or 7th team, and they're, they're still getting votes. But with the schedule coming up, the Sunbelt schedule coming up, it's going to be very hard for James Madison to claw their way back. Or do you think, is there is there a avenue for James Madison to get back into the AP top 25. I think there is. I think, I think for one thing, I think 
the voters are being a little kinder to mid-majors this year. Oh, yeah, they are, especially than, in the Mountain West, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you look at last year, I was looking it up because I was kind of curious, like Char- or Charleston and FAU, it seemed like they were both ranked for a good chunk of last season. I looked it up. They were each ranked for four weeks. Oh, okay. And neither and neither team got in till week nine, which is where we are right now. So JMU kind of like got an early bump, I think maybe because of some of those teams that made runs in the NCAA tournament last year. Um, I think people like gave them the benefit of the doubt when they won early. And I think JMU, Grand Canyon, uh, Princeton, all these Mountain West teams, all these teams are kind of like there on the radar mm-hmm. right now. So I think if teams lose, I think these power conference teams maybe beat up on each other a little bit. Um, some teams lose, and those teams continue to have really good records. I think they can get back in to the to the top twenty-five. I mean, it's going to take having a good record. They're going to have to be, you know, like twenty and two or something. But I think it's possible they can get back in there because it was until about this time last year that the pulse pollsters really started like looking at teams like Charleston and saying, hey, they've got a really good record. I think that may be a top 25 type team. And Southern Miss is going to have to do fairly well too, right? Even yeah. if, so if if somehow, you know, uh, James Masson manages to run the board from here on out, you still have to look at that <laughs> Southern Miss game and go, well, it turns out they're a really good team too. Yeah, or it has to look like, oh, that was just like, that was just a one anomaly. Nobody's perfect, you know. I think, you know, Teams can get the benefit of the doubt for a game or two sure. with a bad loss. Bad losses happen in college basketball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it'll definitely help if Southern Miss is, like, looking like, oh, Andre Corbello actually made that a really good team. And yeah. and they can beat some teams. So, But, you know, we'll see. I think there's a chance they can get back in the top 25. But it's going to take winning. They're going to have to put together another, you know, 7-8 game winning streak here and start to look really good again. Well, who does, who do the Dukes have uh, tomorrow? They have South Alabama. All right. Well, you better beat South Alabama, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Jamie's got four home games in a row here. Yeah. That's the, that's the start is take care of business at home. And like, you know, you might start getting uh, those looks again. Yeah. And that's kind of a wild scheduling thing, right? Does see these sort of four game blocks that teams are having Arkansas state's in the middle of a four game block. Uh, they started with Georgia Southern and ODU. Next, they get Texas State and Louisiana in Jonesboro. I want to brag a little bit about my Red Wolves boys. Red Wolves set Shocker. a... Shocker. <laughs> they set a points record. First time they had ever scored more than 100 points in, in, in what do you call it, in, not in regulation time against Georgia Southern, 109 points, and they came back and shot a a school record for three-pointers made against ODU. Coach Brian Hodgson really has that team kind of finding themselves. And the, one of the reasons, Dusty, I asked your opinion on why teams are play so much better at home than on the road, Arkansas State just looks like a much different team at home. You know, they, they hit the three-pointers. They, they, they scramble for that extra rebound. You know, they hit their free throws better. They just play better. So <laughs> I'm really happy to be on this four-game uh, swing. Dusty, what do you think of these long home and away stretches? 
It's great when you're at home. I mean, yeah. it obviously sucks when you're on the road, but, uh, you know, Warhawks have two home games coming up. I wonder, though, also, Jeremy, you know, the Sun Belt has not really been a basketball conference. Not for and a while. so I don't think that there's really much attendance for it to be a hostile environment to uh, the opposing team. You're, you're lucky to even have your supporters there for the home team. Just a random thought that I that I threw out there for for that. I, yeah, you know what? I think and some places. I, I I felt like Southern Miss had a pretty good crowd for JMU, which was understandable. Yeah. And at the time, it was when students hadn't been back, <coughs> so students were still out on Christmas break. Uh, I I did notice that, like for instance, Appalachian State doesn't get a whole lot of people at their games, but their venue is so small, it kind of feels that way. Yeah. You know, I, like I feel like like maybe sometimes I don't know. I've never been to like you uh, the Warhawks place. Is it is it too big? It's definitely too big. Yeah, it, it was and, built and, up at a time when when a lot of people were going to basketball games. Exactly, and and also you know the Cajun Dome. Even if if the Cajuns have a phenomenal crowd, I forget how big the venue is. But I've been there before for even the the high school state championships, and it still feels empty. <laughs> Yeah, UA Little Rock did a did the right thing when they built their on campus uh, 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 stadium, their arena, right there at UALR, the Jack Stevens Stadium. They made sure it was going to be intimate and smaller. Like they they knew that the, the 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 winds were changing, that people were watching more games on TV. You know, they didn't want to make the same mistake that University of Arkansas made. Which they made after their their national title run, they knocked down their old arena and built one of these mega basketball arenas. It could fit like twenty thousand people in it, and to fill that up, I, and they'll do it. They do it often, but it is a Herculean chore to fill that 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 place up. And if they're having a bad season, it looks empty. So, yeah, I, I find that if you make your stadiums a little more intimate. A little more, you know, a little tight quartered. I feel like you can have that edge, Dusty. Shane, where do you think? Where do you think there are Sun Belt home advantages where where there's rabid fans and and sort of that that atmosphere that intimidates the uh, away team? Well, I mean, the four are. How long are we going to keep calling them new schools as we're getting close to two years <laughs> together? But the four new schools. They lead the league in attendance by a pretty, sure. by a pretty good margin, and yeah. I mean, yeah. the, you do see the atmosphere at Southern Miss, at Marshall, at JMU, and at ODU. I mean, even ODU's struggling. Like we were talking about how bad they are before not winning a conference game yet, they're still leading the conference in attendance, and mm-hmm. you know they're getting five thousand a night to watch a team that's struggling, and it, it's a good atmosphere there. Uh, you know, JMU, it can be hit or miss a little bit because a lot of their fans come from two hours away. Saturdays might be close to sold out and the weekday games thousand. But yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I'm curious to see what they're gonna be like this week. Coming home for the first time with students back and everything for the first time in a long time. I think the Saturday game could be a pretty a pretty good home atmosphere and an actual home court advantage for JMU this weekend. See, at Arkansas State, we play in something called the the uh, First Bank Arena. I call it the FN Bank Arena. Uh, and it's it's 
it's it's an arena that's made for like concerts and tractor truck pulls and rodeos and volleyball games too and basketball games it's just a big barn so it's always like people get upset when it looks kind of empty i'm like guys if we can get three thousand people in here that's great that's good for us it just doesn't look like three thousand people it looks like you know i don't know like a thousand people because the, the the size of the place so i don't really think that's fair i really think that for basketball especially if you could build an arena that holds a thousand people i think that's great do yeah 1500 1500 roaring fans i'll take that over over an empty barn any day so there was actually did you guys see this there was an article in one of the national publications today i think i don't know if it's cbs.com or something like that about you know baylor opened up their new arena here in the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. and they downsized to about seven thousand. you know yeah. coming off of a national championship not that long ago they downsized to have just an incredible atmosphere in a smaller building and the, basically the the gist of the article was like yeah, all but about ten teams in the country ought to do this. You know, unless you're unless you're like Kansas or Kentucky, why are you playing in a gym with more than fifteen thousand people? But you know, um, but that was the gist of the article. But it also kind of like gets to the point too that like like you're saying, a lot of these buildings aren't just basketball arenas. Mm-hmm. A lot of these buildings serve as the only arena in their city, and it's there for concerts. It's there for graduation. It's there for wwe and anything else you can get to town and um so it's not always feasible i guess to like have a 2000 seat basketball arena when your town needs to have a 9000 seat arena just for everything else but you know it would be cool if every college basketball game was sold out and ear piercing noise and just incredible atmosphere but i don't know if we're going to get there dusty before we leave basketball any team that that's sort of jumping out at you that is either disappointing you or surprising you? I mean, obviously the Warhawks are, are disappointment at zero and three, four and nine overall. I'm really kind of surprised that Texas State is, is really kind of in the same boat as ULM. Yeah. You know, that was the big thing. Uh, TJ is known as as a recruiter. He he came to Texas State as an assistant initially out of New Orleans as a big AAU coach. He had the ties. He had the contacts to land the talent. It just hasn't carried over to him taking over the program as the head coach. So definitely surprised with that. I think the Raging Cajuns at one and two, little surprised that that's not a two and one record. I, I never count out Bob Marlin, though, that he's going to right the ship and, and make a late run there. Great to see Troy sitting atop the standings yeah. and Scott Cross at three and oh nine and six overall. Highly, highly impressed with that team. Yeah, and if I were were Shane and JMU, I'd be a little nervous about uh about South Alabama right now. They I know that they, they, they're very inconsistent, but they're inconsistent one way or the other. <laughs> they can either destroy you or they can look destroyed. So I, I'm not sure what you're, what JMU is going to see, but uh, J, uh, South Alabama always concerns me. Well, in my preview article for that one, I did point out that the only team to beat JMU twice last year was South Alabama. So, uh, yeah, well, yeah, and last year they had that team of uh, I don't know what was it, a team of mercenaries that yeah. they got from all those different schools, and then they all left. But uh, yes, so 
Dusty, do we have any other news to talk about in the Sun Belt? Women's basketball. Yeah. Where former show what? guests, Mr. Man Bun himself, Neil Harrow, <laughs> leading the the Dukes to a three and conference start. Marshall also three and on the women's side. Surprisingly, as, as we said earlier, the women's side, it's it's pretty close on parity. There's two O and three teams of Southern Miss and South Alabama. For the most part, everybody has notched at least one win with uh, three teams having two, two having three, and then, of course, the two perfect teams. Women's basketball, I think, is going to be a complete dogfight and, and a true battle to get the higher seeds. Now, are you a little disappointed that ULM starting the season off one and two? Because there is, I know, high hopes amongst many, but especially with you, Dusty, I, I think you're thinking that this could be a good year for the Warhawks. I do, and, and I still believe that. Um, you know, fell on the road to Georgia Southern, and it was a buzzer beater to get the win, and it couldn't have been a better perfect shot and had to be reviewed several times to make sure the ball had actually left her hand and was in mid-flight as the, the uh, backboard illuminated. It doesn't get any closer than that, and, and uh, as the classic saying goes, shit happens, and, and that was a shit happens moment, and we roll on from there and, and get ready for the next games. All right. You know, Texas State also at one and two. You know, so it's not like you're in poor company. Uh, ULM's in poor company there when it comes to sort of a slow start in conference. A lot of seasons ago, I think I think uh, Shane was the first to say it. There's nothing more competitive in the Sun Belt right now than women's basketball. So really looking forward to seeing how that shapes out. One other thing, we do have the second round of the Sun Belt MAC Challenge coming up. Looking at the MAC standings, top three teams, 3-0, three and o, Akron, Toledo, Western Michigan. They have two 0-3 teams of Ball State and Northern Illinois. Ooh. So right. even their preseason favorite is lost in the mix in the middle of the pack. Yeah, you know, because well, there's no there's no way to comp to uh, predict the entropy that is uh, college basketball. What else we got, Dust? We're coming off the national title, so the the oh. twenty three season is officially over. <laughs> Did anybody catch the game? And also, leading into the game, I had a chance to go to the FWAA, Eddie yeah. Robinson, Saw Coach that. of the Year honors uh, reception uh -huh. for the head coach of Washington. Great guy to talk to. Did not know that this was only his 12th loss in his head coaching career. And he was an independent Major League Baseball player before deciding – to hang up the cleats wow. for the whistle. Wow, that's that's pretty interesting. Nice. Hey, how was the uh, how was the um, I don't know the festivities in Houston for that? Absolutely crazy. Yeah, uh, I tried to steer clear of downtown at all costs, but even living out in the burbs, it, it it trickled out over here. There were lots of watch parties all over the place. Michigan definitely painted the town blue, and uh, it was kind of cool to see the. Did you get into the stadium, or was it just the uh, the banquet circuit for you? Yeah, I just went to the reception. Um, a, it's Monday, so it's a school night. Got to go to bed early there, Shane. And then, and then B, 
I didn't have a rooting interest in the game and could have cared less if either team won. Well, I was going to have to ask you how Dylan Morris looked in warm-ups since that's the uh, quarterback of the near future for JMU. Oh, um, well, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah, he must be excited. I, I, I saw the picture of uh, C.J. Rogers, the transfer from Mississippi State, uh, in his Washington jersey on the sidelines, just kind of sitting there like a bump on the log, a goon, whatever other word you want to use. Um wasn't even really looking like he was taken in the moment of a national title. He was just kind of sitting on the bench, hanging out. You know, I did watch. I, I watched the first, I don't know, half hour of the game. And then something happened in the household where suddenly I was watching like uh, like uh, uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi or something. I don't know how that happened. And then I ended up watching the last half of the game, which is actually kind of exciting. The first... At first, it was nothing but touchdowns for Michigan, right? Just big, all, big long runs. runs. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be the world's worst game since the TCU game, right? And I had sort of a rooting interest, Dusty. I kind of want Washington to win because I really can't stand Michigan. You know, I can't stand anything about them. <laughs> so I was hoping that they would lose and that Washington would win. They kind of let me down at the end. Uh, Washington let me down at the end. But, uh, yeah, at least it wasn't an SEC game, which I have grown tired of. I thought when Washington scored right before the half, they had a chance, knowing they were getting the ball to start the Mm -hmm. second half. Uh, No moss. Immediate turnover at the half. Yeah. The other big news out of the national championship game was the lack of information about where EA Sports stands on getting the NCAA college football game up and going. Our former show guest, Matt Brown, was hammered on the X because he said before the game, I wouldn't look for any kind of advertisement or news or anything like that. And people were pissed that they stayed up for this game to watch it and not get a clip, a, a promo or anything. Yeah, as a guy who's who's never been wild about the NCAA uh, EA Sports game to begin with, I did not see what the big bub hub was about. But they look like on social media, there's some people who are pretty upset about that. Yeah, there were. It was. <laughs> I was surprised. I, I'm looking forward to the game, but I, I was surprised just how like crazy people went over the lack of. I don't know what they're expecting a trailer or something, but it was. It was rough out there. <laughs> yeah, come on, just watch the game. See, now when you said something big was happening, I thought you were going to talk about certain certain retirement news. That has seeped oh, I don't care about that. The other big news <laughs> that came out of the national championship game: okay. the beloved strawberry pop tart. No oh, shit. Took America by storm. Yeah. When he sacrificed himself in the toaster to be eaten by K State. The Pop-Tart Bowl will return in 2024. Thank God. Because remember, there's two Pop-Tarts in every pack. <laughs> what an ingenious thing to do, though. You know, they really got into that. You know, to, 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 to come up with that idea of toasting the Pop-Tart and then having the players eat it. You know, I, I think I think some of the smaller bowls would behoove themselves to think a little bit out of the box and come up with something like that. I don't know what it is. Don't ask me to think of what it is. 
but they would do a good to hire maybe some sort of consulting firm and come up with some ideas for that. Yeah, we need like Lockheed Martin to like let the players like shoot a bazooka or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now that's see that's the kind of thinking that can get you sued, and that's why we shouldn't be the ones coming up with uh, with those ideas. But yeah. And another news article there, Jeremy. Okay. Somebody came up with the bright idea. You know, there's Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL draft, oh, the guy God. that's drafted dead last, yeah. of coming up with the Irrelevant Bowl with the two worst D1 teams uh-huh. squaring off in a game. You're not too far removed from being in that category there, Jeremy. Would you want Arkansas State to be in the Irrelevant Bowl? Absolutely not. And I'll tell you why. You know, as a fan, uh, and you should know this better than anybody, Dusty, when your team is just miserable all year long, the last thing you want to do as a fan, and probably if you're a player, the last thing you want to do as a player is extend that misery for the amusement of a bunch of uh, glaring fans out there. They're only watching the game to see just more inept football. No, I am not a fan of that at all. I have a little bit of a twist on it. Oh, okay. It, there's no way it could possibly be a postseason bowl game. Like, we just got to forget about that. But it should be a season opening, like, week zero, like, classic type of game. Because, okay. <clears throat> I mean, that's something these people could get excited about. You, you get the opportunity. One of those teams is going to start the season on a good note by beating another FBS Bad. team. In a game that people are going to be watching, yeah. even you know, even if it's just the sickos, like people are going to watch it, people are going to talk about it, and one of those teams gets the opportunity to start fast and build something. All right, I can get behind that shade. That's a good idea. You know, you'd have to work out the scheduling, of course, because yeah, we've already have scheduled games, and you find. But I'm sure you know what. If we had a strong centralized office, you know, some some sort of, of entity that can make decisions for all of college football. If only we had something like that, guys, something like, I don't know, like the NCAA, maybe we could have gotten something like that done. But no, nah, I guess that's not going to happen. I like the idea. It's extra practice. You suck. There's a reason you're in the bowl. You need the practice. Give me the extra month of practice. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> And, and also scheduled this bowl. The national title was on uh, Monday. The FCS championship was on Sunday. This game's on Saturday. Yeah. You know what? It should be like the punishment bowl, too. It or, should be like held like on, a, on an abandoned island in terrible conditions. Just like maybe live alligators out on the sideline. Just make it to or, where it's almost like a Hunger Games type thing. Or a where, stadium with veterinary clinics in its parking lot. Oh, you're or making you, fun. Okay. You could, you could play at halftime of the national championship game and be like, okay, you guys get 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> like when they have the little youth youth game, like at halftime. And like, yes. You guys get 15 minutes here. <laughs> Field's yours. <laughs> that would be great. Yes. I would totally watch like a UMass versus, I don't know who else, who else was terrible last year. Arkansas State. Uh, why do you keep say, why do you keep saying Dusty? I know he's I know deflecting. He is. He, he, you're projecting. You're deflecting. 
It's funny, Dusty. I know your your basketball team's sort of disappointing, and the Warhawks football isn't doing very well. But that's every year, Dusty. I don't know why you have to be angry tonight. Because when I was in the Little Rock Airport uh-huh. not too too long ago, they had no double X t shirts for me becoming a t shirt Arkansas State fan. <laughs> they had some shirts though, right? They had schmediums. Yeah, okay. Hey, you oh. could put one on. Yeah, I can't put it on. It would never come off. Ah, <laughs> uh, sexy. <laughs> on that note, plugs, promos, and parting shots. Shane, since you are, are, are on the mend, we, we throw you to the wolves first. All right. I'll just say parting shot. We, we've hinted at it a little bit here, but everybody's talking about Nick Saban retiring. Yes. I I do kind of wonder, though, what's all the hubbub about a guy who won one-fifth as many MAC titles as former Marshall coach Bob Pruitt? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if Alabama had any guts or balls, they'd hire Terry Valley. That's, that's my take on that. Just... If they're really good, they can win with Terry Bound. You know, yeah. But I mean, just former Marshall coach Bob Pruitt won five yeah. times uh-huh. as many MAC titles as a yeah. saving guy, and I don't remember any kind of. I don't remember the world stopping when he decided mm-hmm. to retire. Yeah, and did this guy, this guy you're talking about, who I can't remember now, you've said his name twice, has he ever lost to ULM? Because Saban has. I believe, I don't know, like Saban. Well, what's Saban's record against Arkansas State? Because uh, at least one and zero. Oh. Because at least. you know he he's never beaten James Madison. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. I know he he's got that loss to ULM. Like, I, I don't he, know. He had his terrible. This guy seems to- okay, but look, let's pump the brakes a little bit on all this. Dusty, was it this year the Warhawks went to Alabama, or was it last year? I don't know. They all blend together. <laughs> I was really hoping that, uh, like a nervous as hell, Saban would be on the sideline, kind of having a breakdown, thinking about, "Oh my God, I got to find a way to beat the Warhawks." But from what I recall, it was pretty, pretty much of a one-sided affair. I just think it's funny that 17 years later, and we're still talking about that game. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta commemorate your victories, Dusty, and that's well, pretty much all you got. I may have heard the App State Michigan game <laughs> referenced in the past twenty four hours as well. So, oh god, you know what? I haven't. But did they did they do like a little? I, like I, I didn't see the whole game. Did they do a film vignette of that? I, I don't know, but championship game. Okay, I probably will have blown up App Twitter if that had happened. For my parting shot, yeah, I don't have one. Uh, two weeks in a row, and I'm unprepared. It's a great New Year's resolution, a great kickoff to the season. Check us out, funbeltpodcast.com. You can buy merch there to Ooh. support the show, including our Get Irk in the Hall t-shirt, our Funbelt Podcast logo t-shirt, the Feigning Goat, yeah, the Saw infamous failing yeah, I saw one at the uh, Camellia Bowl. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, people are buying them. The infamous Arkansas State fainting goat. It was a fantastic play that did not work. 
And it didn't work. And, you know, it's just sort of indicative of the entire Arkansas State experience. That's all I have. All right, I got a parting shot. It's actually a promo and a parting shot. Wrote an article today, a column for HalRazor.com, which is free to the public. Anybody can look it up. Uh, talking about, uh, I, I think the title of the article is Everybody, every team's goal should be, every fan's goal should be insufferable. And I was talking a little bit about how, you know, I, I think Michigan kind of triggered this because Michigan fans have been insufferable the last week or so, usually insufferable all the time. It, isn't that kind of the goal, guys? Isn't it in the end, don't we want to just be completely insufferable about our favorite teams? I mean, don't we want to be the guy that 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 constantly, like, mentions our teams when when there's a discussion going on about great teams say well what about you know what about arkansas state they're pretty good we can talk about them or we get mad when we're slided or we start lecturing other teams about how they need to work harder on their special teams don't we want that to be us i mean there's some criticism right now towards james madison saying oh the fans are becoming insufferable don't we want that shouldn't we want that dusty wouldn't you like to be part of a fan base that has become arrogant with winning? I would love that for Arkansas State. That is where we should be, right? So embrace Baby steps. <laughs> embrace you got to get there. Work. You got to get there first, Jeremy. <laughs> embrace the insufferability. Make that your goal, Dusty. Make that your goal for 2024. Become arrogant and insufferable. I, I beseech you, do it now, just for your mental health. I'm done. 